0: Today we are welcoming Larry Goldfarb as our special guest to our podcast, YouTube, Welcome to Feldenkrais, Moving into the Unknown. So I'd like to introduce Larry as a certified Feldenkrais practitioner, a movement scientist with a PhD from the University of Illinois, and uh, a passionate multimedia communicator of the Feldenkrais Method. So uh, worldwide, Larry teaches postgraduate courses and professional seminars and public workshops and directs and teaches professional training programs, such as the one here in Melbourne, Australia, where he's keeping our second year uh, online very much alive. Um, (laughs) Larry has a very active online presence with his own constantly evolving website Mind in motion. And uh, recently, having delivered signature series such as The Peculiar Power of Prayer and currently The Human Frame. So, as a pioneer of the method and as a systems theorist with his model of Spiffer, uh, Larry loves to assist people at all levels to decode this relationship between gravity and coordination, equilibrium and orientation in navigating their way in the world. So, Larry, no doubt- Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> as Thank a you. Magician, you no doubt brought some fun and magic to your time as Moshe's personal cook during the Amherst training. And uh, you had the opportunity to get to know Moshe Feldenkrais and his in an enigmatic ways um, on a personal- first- Levels, so we're really interested in the, the I suppose the personal adaptability and the contemporary responsiveness we are all needing to bring to bringing awareness through movement lessons to life. So, um, welcome, and uh, I guess I'll I'll just um, start things off by just uh, you know we're inquiring into how we can. Uh, the Feldenkrais Christ method into the future and interested in how you're constantly moving forwards and a sort of fountain of productivity and a bit of a beacon with the teaching. So what direction do you are you taking the method um, today and, and what sort of creativity and improvisation do you think we need to do to expand? Or expound on Moshe's original. Whoa! <laughs> um,
1: okay, um, you know it. There, you're that's such a rich, rich question. I'm not even really sure uh, where where to start. Yeah. Well, let me. I, you know, you know. It's, I, I appreciate the question. I, I, I think part of where I'm going. Well, th- there's a couple of things I guess I could say about that. One of them is really has to do with where I have been going, right? So I, I think there's certain um, difficulties and opportunities at the moment that we find ourselves, and I. You know, for me, one of the things that's been really interesting is the, the practice of awareness through movement. I, I mean that in my in my personal life. What 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 it's meant for me and for the people that I work with with my students, um, and and I think the promise that it has f- as as a, as a I don't know. I guess you know, I guess I was being professional as a as a modality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and um I always think it I, I think it's it's been treated as the poorer relative until recently. You know, it's like if you really a Feldenkrais Christ teacher, you do functional integration. And then there's awareness through movement. And um I, I think most Moshe's promise you know of of the method is that we can learn to help ourselves we can learn to 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 learn from our own experience and you know my my job as a falling christ teacher i think one way that i define that is my job is to inspire my students to become falling christ practitioners and, and by which i i don't mean teachers but i mean people who practice the method in their daily life as a as a as a way to continue learning i i think of the method as um these days i like to call it neurophysical learning because it's a nice play on an acronym because it's npl instead of nlp um but that idea of that we learn about our neurophysiology about you said you said it so beautifully Libby about how we navigate through the world right and our the physical way in which we do that, that that's what the method is about it's a lifelong learning approach to that and um, you know so I have always always been interested in how do we make the work approachable and in a way Unspecial. I wanted to make an, an an everyday thing. My my grandmother, my grandmother Alice Ostrowski, was a, a Mary Wigman student. So the, Mary Wigman is a kind of the founder of modern dance, a German dancer. And my grandmother studied with her and had a modern dance company mm. for for years. My uncle, her son, always teases me about carrying on the family business. But when I told my grandmother when I was in my, I don't know, late teens, and I was living in San Francisco. And um, I was, you know, I, I think, I, at that time I was doing gay political work. She kind of, she was an old school communist. She tapped me on the knee and said, that's charming, darling, but how does that change the life of the working class? And, you know, so I thought about that, like in relationship to taking awareness through movement. You know, I've taught awareness through movement in physical therapy clinics. I'm not a physio, but alongside physical therapists. And I've taught it on the job because I wanted to to be available to people who would otherwise not know about it and who could benefit from it and, you know, let the boss pay for it. You know, so for me, this has been a long road in helping my colleagues, um, you know, be better Feldenkrais teachers. That's, you know, as a trainer, I spent about half my time doing that. Mm. So, you know, these things, so what, what I'm doing in terms of thinking about the future is, you know, just continuing what I have been doing. I've been experimenting with doing things online, you mm. know, for a while. Um, before other people did and before it was as easy as it is now, perhaps. But um you know, like what we're doing at your training is how do we use this medium and with the, the capacities for teaching that it affords us to um, help you understand the method and, and also to help you practice it yourself in, in a way that is meaningful for you. So you get to learn the lessons you know, in, your own, in your own experience. And, and I think the question for me is, how do we make that available to other people? And, and I don't think we make the funding Price method itself available. And I think we make what it does available.
2: I've got a, a question. so so I just want to speak about that. Um, so one thing that often comes to me to mind for me is how Moshe would have worked with the internet, because I know that. He um, had connections with some people, Werner Erhard, for example, who was developing a worldwide communication network. And Moshe was really interested in working with him so that he could, I think, use that as a microphone to get, to communicate with people. And I often wonder how, I think he would have led the way with the internet. He would have found ways to amplify his voice and communicate with people in a way that's now unthought. I think we're actually behind as far as how we can actually utilize this medium. So,
1: At at the same time, as Moshe was talking about broadcasting awareness through movement lessons via international satellite television, because he was thinking about that, Mm-hmm. And I, I know like a friend of mine investigated that was really expensive to do at the time. A- at the same time, you know, another genius of the 20th century, Bucky Fuller was talking about cable television and it, as, a, as a way of using it for education. And even, I mean, think about what's happening now, even for voting, right? And the thing that was interesting about Bucky is that, you know, the, the thing about a TV is it has a remote. So you could ask a question and people could vote. There, there was a the rudimentary, it wasn't the internet, of two-way communication. It wasn't broadcast, it was interaction. Right? And so I think, look, I, I don't, Dale, I, I, I don't know what Moshe would have done. I think what is it, the question is, how do we proceed in, in a Feldenkraisian manner, in a way that is consistent with the spirit of the method? Yes. In the moment. That we find ourselves? That's mm. the question. And that's what the interesting question because it's it's on us.
2: Okay, so then an app. How what would you how would you create an app if you could. How much are you pay me to answer that question? Sorry?
1: <laughs> I'm teasing you. I said, how much are you gonna pay me to answer
2: that question? <laughs> but but
1: well, if the app works out, you, I could pay you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. You. Um, you know, when when you ask me that question, there is an avalanche avalanche of thoughts rushing Good. to try to all come out my mouth at this. Good, scene. but but let 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 me back up from your question a bit and and say. You know, the, it, it, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is an app to do that. right? And so, I, I, again, I don't think, I, it, you know, the other day in class, we were talking about um, introductory uh, awareness through movement lessons. Like, what would you do with people when you begin? And I, I think what you wanna do is you wanna start Someplace with the concerns of specific people, so you know teaching Feldenkrais in and of itself, yeah, it's in a way it misses the point. I'm not selling Feldenkrais. I, what what Feldenkrais does as a Feldenkrais teacher, I have the ability to help people do the things that they love better, or the things that they love that they're not able to do at the moment to be to learn how to do that, and in that. Um, you know I had I, I help them harness their inborn ability to learn and their physical structures designed for easy effective motion right but I don't do that in it you know in terms of like teaching movement I do that in terms of helping them do the things that they want to do so you know whether it's helping people I don't know you can teach a class for people who walk dogs right or um, people who are gardening or um, whatever. I think once, or crocheting, it doesn't, you know, it's like playing golf. Once you have an activity, then you have a meeting place for applying the method. And the method works through taking specific actions and learning about ourselves in that way. And so I, I think that's the gift we have to offer people. And I think, you know, people hesitate to say, teaching the method for moms to understand their newborn kids and and understand the processes that they're going through and understand how to support them in doing that because they're afraid of all the people they would be talking to but that's okay you know you don't want to talk to everybody because you don't honestly there's a simple reason you do not have the budget for marketing to everybody Mm -hmm. so you know pick who you want to talk to
0: Larry, I'm just wondering um, along those lines, because I did hear you say uh, during the week that SPIFA and your model for, for looking and looking at the movement in assisting us to help us with our observation of those movements, um, I think I heard you say that, correct me if I'm wrong, you'd like to include uh, another couple of things in that. I'm wondering, if you're happy with the Spiffer model where it is, or whether because of the times where we're leading into and a lot of online use, whether whether we need to, whether you need to add anything, you know, is Spiffer a prequel to something else or do you want to add to it? Well, look,
1: when, when I went to study with Moshe, um, I had started studying systems um, and study studying neurolinguistic linguistic programming. Um, I kind of went there with this idea, well, if Richard Bandler and John Grinder could um, study the work of, you know, some of the founding uh, Virginia Satir, uh, Fritz Perls, Milton Erickson, some of the greatest therapists of the time and come up with a model of not what their theories are, but what they are doing, could I do that with Moshe? And the, the answer, short, sweet, simple, depressing? The answer is no.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And, and, the, and, and the, reason, the reason why is, I mean, if the, if the problem was with the sentence, can I come up with a model? And the answer is no, because the terrain is too rich for one map. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Spiffer happened incidentally. I mean, I didn't set out to do it. I think I told you some of the story in the training. You no, know, it came from working with people on the job, actually. And Trying to develop ways of talking about what I was, um, what we were doing, in ways that the people in the class could relate to it, and see its value, and and um, yeah, and, and but but what what I what I've learned over the years is that we don't need a map; we need a um, compendium of map, mm-hmm. an atlas for negotiating the territory of being felt in crisis. And so you know I. I have developed some of those maps, the Spiffer, the Bullseye, the Seven Seas. I've borrowed some models, like the um, Honey and Mumford model about um, learning strategies, just because it's really simple. It was simple enough for me to understand. It's simple for people that teach and apply. I've done that with Feldenkrais teachers and dance teachers and high school teachers and high school students you know, not just in a Christ context. So um yeah, I, I think it's important for us to have a common language and, and, and a methodology for understanding not just what Moshe did, but how Moshe approached and generated the method. Mm-hmm. I don't think Moshe finished everything, right? He was continuing to evolve it. So for instance, He talked about these four aspects of the waking state, feeling, acting, acting, or moving. I would say feeling, acting, sensing, and thinking. Um, And I think, I don't think Moshe went deep into the talking about or elucidating the feeling aspect. Learning is an emotional process. And I think good teachers deal with the emotions of their students. They recognize them. They make room for them. They understand, you know, the things like fear and shame and blame and guilt. They get in the way of learning. And they have ways of helping people learn about that. And it doesn't matter if you're teaching piano or plumbing or neurophysical learning. You know, it's the, it's about learning. And so I think, you know, we belong to the profession of learning, of teaching, and, and I think within a the model there are some rich ways of understanding what happens in the feeling dimension and i think moshe left us to develop that so that's good news because that means you know there's room for you mm-hmm. as you know my future colleagues to be contributing to and developing the method and that's great because it means it's a lie
3: <clears throat> larry that reminds me of the quote when you quoted Dennis Leary and he said, the teacher is the person in the room who can withstand the most discomfort. So I guess as we are moving forward to become Feldenkrais practitioners, what's your advice to being able to be that teacher, how we can facilitate our own discomfort and other people's
1: discomfort? <clears throat> well, I think, honestly, I think that the best answer I can give is that starts with your practice. Right, I mean with how you do how you take the method into your own life. Like I think one of the great things about the training having the amount of calendar time it takes. Well look I I um there there's the technical aspect of being a teacher right just the the acuity the observational acuity of what to notice there's the kind of um there's the conceptual you know pedagogical reasoning um the 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 acumen and thinking of, of following the methodology and understanding it they're the skills that you need in touching and talking and listening and responding and that's part of what then you know, we're teaching in a training but if you look at the generation of people that most say belong to almost all of them not all of them but almost all of them they they faced a crisis you know they had their own hero's journey they faced a crisis in their lives the resources that were available to them didn't help them and they had to figure something out for themselves and And they were able to not only help themselves, but kind of take something from their own experience and develop something for other people. Um, Both Alexander, Zephanathias Alexander and Gerba Alexander and Moshe and others. Um, And and so my question is, like, how do you make the method yours? In the time that you're in the training, you know, I mean, we all have challenges, you know, and some of those are, let's say they're obvious to other people, but, but I think everybody is dealing with their own, their own challenges, and so the question is, how do you do that? How do you make the method yours? What's that process like? And if you do it in a training, you know, then you do it with your cohort, and so you get to see that how other people go through the process, which means you get to learn that yours is not the only way. And I think accompanying each other and supporting each other, that becomes a great model for how we work with our students. So I would say the answer to your question is it starts at home.
2: So would you recommend people broadening their experience with larger groups? Because I've read some of your, and listened to some of your podcasts about how you're now, well, I don't know if it's now or it's something that you've developed over time, but listening for the way people learn. So having the pragmatists and the theorists, so really getting a broad outline on the people that are coming to the class. Is it recommended that people go and expand, like theatre or, you know, being parts of large groups to develop that aspect? Because I think it's really, really important. Or is Feldenkrais enough? <clears throat>
1: Look, To be a good Feldenkrais teacher, I mean, I think it encompasses a lot of competencies or skills, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so some people come and they're really comfortable with groups of people. You know, and other people have no experience with that. Is it the training's job to teach people how to do that? No. Some people are good at public speaking. Others aren't. Some people understand anatomy. Sometimes that helps. Sometimes that gets in the way. Um, I think part of that is coming up, you know, like in schools these days, they talk about um, IEPs, Individual um, Educational Plan, right? And so in a way, you have to come up with that for yourself or or with your, with your you know, your learning pod or your educational director or whatever. Like, what is it that you need to fill in you know for you what will what will help and and sometimes you can learn that in the training right and sometimes but but i think like and how do you learn that from each other the training is going to provide the skills for for doing this and and i do think the um just how do you deal with a group how do you respond to a group of people that's a that's a certain set of skills and that's something that we can we can teach you know like what, what i'm teaching at the moment is about how to see movement from a the, the dynamic and systemic perspective and how to see that in a many layered way so we have a rich way of talking about it that's specific but um not you know like laser focused anyway
3: but i, th- I think the, the trainers that I've really enjoyed, and I think the Feldenkrais teachers that I enjoy, it's really when their personality comes through. So I guess my
1: that's thinking... you like their personality.
3: <laughs> but it's it's their authentic self. It's them starting from who they are that can then... Absolutely. that is that what you're talking to, Larry, that that's part of being in the method, teaching the method?
1: Well, I, I mean... I also mean when I'm talking about, you know, well, if you're a writer, they say, write about what you know, yeah you know, and I'm talking about like, if I want to help, like for me, the Feldenkrais method is a practice, not a pill. And it's something that I have been, you know, doing since I was a teenager. Um, and, um, I mean, I've done other practices since earlier than that, you know, for years before that I did yoga. And I learned yoga on TV, you know, through Lilius Yoga and You on U.S. public television when I was like 12 and 13 years old, right? I mean, that was the beginning for me. I had studied dance already, so I, I don't think I was a neophyte to movement. But it was, um, you know, but I have my own practice and my history. It's like wrestling with the questions that you come up with, you come up against having a practice. And then taking something that you're learning, and that's just like, oh, it's on the floor. It feels good. Great. Bye. See you next week. But how do I take that into my life? What does it mean to me? That's and what I mean. That's what's most interesting and engaging about the method. And I think if I haven't wrestled with that, I become the worst
0: kind of teacher. And how do we take that um, online now, Larry? That that listening, that observing, and that interacting. Um, being with the people in the class, what ideas have you got to, to assist us to take that online? Well,
1: I, I think you mean like at where you are in the training process or in the becoming a teacher process, right? Um, I, I think you start with doing individual lessons um, or working with really small groups of people. <clears throat> a handful, a half dozen, something like that, so you can see people and, and interact. And you make the process something less rhetorical and private and a little mm-hmm. more interactive. I think that makes it more interesting. And like, if we're teaching people about learning how to learn, then I, I think uh, bringing them into the process, and showing them the tools that we have and how to make use of that and and there's a way of um so look in the lesson we in our um in our way of teaching and our pedagogy there it, it is very open I, I say do this find a way to do this that's comfortable for you that's in the range of ease if you can't do it, we'll find a different way that works for you. And so in a way that's very um, open and, and, and laissez-faire, it's very, very kind, right? And, um, but also that the teachers and the teacher's job is to guide someone through a process where, where they learn something that can tell differences that, that make sense and that matters. Right? And it's the making sense and mattering part that we're there to help with. So I, I think that process becomes really engaging in this medium. And it is much less of a performance, much less of a delivery, and more interactive. And, you know, even when you're, like when I'm teaching a large class, like on the, um, you know, we have this international study group, the A-Y-A-Day group, but I, I think the last time I taught, there was like 227 people on that. And, you know, I couldn't even, I couldn't see everybody, I would just be through all the Zoom <laughs> but, but the thing there is that you want to teach in such a way that people feel addressed mm-hmm. and brought into the process. So I think you learn about what that means by being involved in that process with other people. So So that's
2: what I I, I hi. (laughs) So then I have a question about the training. Do you know if there are talks, given what you've just said about being open and inclusive, and um, it's like covering all the, the facets of Feldenkrais. With the training, do you know if there are any talks of expanding the modules for training such that we as students could choose from the, the pedagogy, the um, emotional intelligence aspect, the mm. theoretical aspect. So I could, as a student, participate online in a training module that facilitates or feeds the, the areas that I want to learn about and develop myself as a practitioner that way is it are there any talks of that happening
1: i don't know but if you hear that would you let me know because that's <laughs> really cool look, look um i mean i love the question and and I, I think i have a sense of where that's you know like you have a vision behind your question yeah right it's possible uh technologically and pedagogically um and an idea about um, how the student navigates through the training process, you know, volunteer trainings are on um, the model's kind of patronizing, very you know paternalistic. Like we decide for you, you will follow this. We're delivering it, um, and and I think like just just like doing um, functional integration practicum, right? Where so, a, a trainee is a student teaching individual lesson to somebody, and then instead of doing that live, they have a video, and the video is re- reviewed by the supervisor or the faculty and then the, or the whole training, and then they talk about it. You know, nobody did that until a few months ago, mm-hmm. right? Nobody, anywhere. And, um, and you know, if, in the years where I've been talking about you teaching Feldenkrais online, the responses have been kind of binary. And instantaneous, like, no, you can't do that. Or, whoa, that's so cool. And, 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 and no, you can't do that. People are there. What they go to is what you can't teach online. Or, or really, what they usually say is almost always a variant of the sentence. Well, there's all these things you can't teach online. It always, always comes down to functional integration. And you know, sometimes I think, you know, all the years of doing advanced trainings, I think sometimes I think, well, I could do this better online than it's happened in person. Not not that that is sufficient necessarily, but there's so much we can do. But like the, um, the, the, the D tab, the Deutsche tab, the German training accreditation board, just passed a rule that you could do one Fi one of the two required FI practica online, but not both. But there's like a big now, I'll say this in my best Australian, pardon me if I <laughs> there's a big controversy. We said controversy, but anyway, it's a big controversy about in Germany about whether there should be any teaching online.
0: Yes, Larry, I heard your interview with um Patrick Gruner. Yeah. On that. Yeah. So, is this so, so
1: where, where you are like light years away from where we are today. And, and like the thing, like I, this summer I've been taking um, actually a couple of online classes, you know, just to see how other people do stuff and also to learn more. And, um, you know, like what kind of uh, medium we set up and the kinds of relationships it, Facilitates that facilitates. There's um, there there there's this Australian. I can't think of his name. Oh damn. Um, anyways, maybe twenty years, a little more, give or take, uh, ago, he, he was getting his doctorate in education, and he was interested in online learning, and he looked at the platforms that were out there. And 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 one of the things that he saw was that um, they they facilitated and created isolation they separated people so he asked the question how do we create a platform for learning that brings people together it's called moodle it's like noodle but with an m in front of it instead of an n um and um you know it does really cool things like you can hand in your homework assignments your classmates can see it but you can only see your classmates assignments if you put yours in Right. And you could take quizzes, but quizzes aren't for testing for the teacher. They're quizzes for yourself. You could so you could see if you get the answer wrong, why it's wrong, and try again. So they're learning quizzes, right? So there's there's all these really cool ways that we can use more, more traditional educational approaches and like the kind of you know, find your path through the curriculum that mm-hmm. you were suggesting, Dale. But that that presupposes an immense amount of content and a way f- to make that available and it also presupposes that the content is made available in um, digestible portions and, um, and I think like one of the things I have learned I've, I'm learning to do is really how to modularize, modularize, I don't know I can't think of the word, um, make into modules, um, you know, the, the content that I have to teach so that it, I, I really think like the motto for me these days is um, morsels not
0: meals, right? Making it digestible. Yeah. And,
2: <laughs> it, We're like, in the kitchen again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but you understand what I'm talking about right
2: completely I think
3: you alluded to earlier just how profound and massive this field of understanding is and and the whole trying to wade your way through it as a student as I, I imagine it's it's like that constantly that if you're really engaged in the whole understanding of the method it would be a lifelong journey but it's
1: um, what do you mean? Would ha- it has been, <laughs> no, I mean, so, I started this when I was 19 I'm, uh, next a week in a week, I'll be 62. So it's been a lifelong journey and it's been a lifelong journey of appreciating and understanding what Moshe did. Right? So what's,
3: Sorry, what's the contribution it's made to your life? Can you imagine your life without Feldenkrais with Feldenkrais? What has it contributed to you personally? Well,
1: I, you know, I mean, um, but I, you know, I started doing this, like I was a teenager still. Right. And so um, like the people who are my colleagues, they're, they've been that way. They've been my colleagues for my life. Mm. So I have a friend here in town who's, I mean, when my dad died, which is, that was like more than 30 years ago, I asked her husband to be my second dad. You know and her family has been my second family in when i was in uh, in the training in moshe's kitchen i met one of the teachers who graduated from the training before mine uh, the san francisco training and she took me under my wing and she's like my feldman mom you know she's six years older than my mom or six months older than my mom was and for most of my life i talked to them equally you know um so it, it, for me, there's a personal part of it. I mean, it's been my vocation, you know, what I do for a living, and my avocation, what I love doing. So, um, and in in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so, because of my physical adventures, uh, like the last time I was in Melbourne, I don't know if you've heard the rumors, right? Oh, yeah, I had like a fucked up. Oh, that's I'm speaking <laughs> medical <laughs> jargon here. You know, I had a, a messed up knee and two broken arms during the training. I mean, there's a video. Jenny has a video of me giving an FI demonstration with, I didn't know, but I had two broken arms. I mean, like, uh, it, uh, it, it, who was it? It was, um, uh, I mean, they barricaded the door after that and they made me go to the doctors. they like, they would let me come back to the training and uh, you know, because I, I had I had slipped in the training. I was doing a fall and my teaching shoe wasn't on right. I slipped, and I I hurt my arm, and I just thought it was a sprain. And then running to the train station, like mom's saying, you know, don't run. Like, it was a week after Christmas break, and I just had a collision with a bunch of um, pedestrians. And protecting the arm I'd hurt, I messed up the other arm and uh, mm-hmm. ended up needing surgery. And... But you know, as a result of that wonderful experience, um, I had a rehab myself. You know, I had surgery, I had a I had a couple of pins put in screws put in, then I had them taken out, got unscrewed, didn't get kissed either time. Um, but I had a good surgeon. But then I really had to learn how to use my arm again. And and mm-hmm. there, you know, it was like, oh, this stuff is useful. Right. And it was it was cool. I, and I also think you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been a road warrior. Like <clears throat> I wanted to travel ever since I was a kid. My mom's side of the family, almost everyone is either a. They all travel. Performers, diplomats. My step grandfather's a traveling salesman. They were just all on the road, and so I saw the life of traveling. You know, and I've wanted to do that ever since I was seven. So, be you know, I, I did that a little bit as a magician. It wasn't satisfying, but I've done that as a Feldenkrais trainer. So it's provided me that you know, and getting to know like the people who are your educational directors and your assistants. You know, like I know the people you're working with because I, I'm part of this community, and um, you know, and I, I've been involved in it writing being part of the political side of it working with the trainers and assistant trainers you know and and i think making maps you know for people that's been part of what I, you know i think of myself as a as a map maker and the you know they allow us to to work together and i think the, the having a community of professions as a, uh, professionals of i mean having colleagues is so important
2: Mm -hmm. um have you ever thought or had the urge to deviate from feldenkrais and explore other modalities
1: well i I mean i i didn't you know i wasn't born in feldenkrais teacher so i trained in gestalt therapy and um, um transactional analysis In bioenergetics. I studied pantomime, um, modern dance for years, um, African dance for a long time. Um, I studied theater, I was a magician. I um, you're I a cook. massage, and you know, so there's all these things in my, I've gotten a lot of um, Alexander lessons and I really love the technique. So I, I think there's a lot of influences. I, I am ecumenical. Right. You know, like I've I've been a part of the International Somatic Movement Education and Therapy Association for years. I'm the training I run in Amsterdam is the first Feldenkrais training that was certified as a Feldenkrais training and in this meta training as well. Because I, I you know, I I think we have more in common with these other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for me, um, yes, I am so influenced by them. I am so interested in them. I'm I'm a big fan of, like we talked about in class, of Mabel Todd's work and of the people who teach it. Um, you know, and so I I am happily influenced by the work that other people do. Um, I I have a great admiration for Laban's work and um, a lot of Spiffer was, was influenced by that. So, you know, all these things are important. And the last training that I, um that i directed in amsterdam we had a it included an nlp training so there was a person who was, mm. who was a friend of mine who's an nlp trainer because i in the training before that i thought people had learned so much about NLP price that their skills as communicators had not developed as much
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so i wondered if there was a way of doing that and um it wasn't the first time i incorporated communication skills but it was it was it was a let's say it was a learning full um experience right but like we we are teachers we are part i like to say we're part of the second oldest profession known to humanity and um and i think learning from other teachers and being a part of Seeing ourselves in that way, is it's important. The Feldenkrais Method is an educational approach that has therapeutic side effects.
0: And, Larry, just, uh, I suppose, in terms of somatic education, then, and the intersection with the contemplative arts that are around at the moment, the importance of... Um, I suppose the current um, direction towards mindfulness we've got to look internally to ourselves where a lot of us are more um, constrained in these times physically. Uh, How do you sort of combine I suppose your personal and professional balance now you know the rest versus action, reflection versus review. How do you practice uh, Bowman Christ, and what else do you bring into that, particularly moving forwards into the future?
1: Are you asking, like, in my personal life?
0: Yeah, if, you, if you're willing to discuss how, how yeah, how, what helps you? Um, well, look,
1: I, I, I do awareness through movement right i mean it's just it's 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 my practice i do it because um it reminds me of my better self you know it keeps it it's a way like yeah like you know when you you know when you learn something you when you learn something new successful learning is a good news bad news joke the good news is you learn to do it without thinking about it the bad news is now you're going to do it without thinking about it <clears throat> and so You know, there's there's this constant, well, I'm a writer, so I would say editing of my movement. And it's from learning from my own movement that I learn about myself. And I know if I look back over my life, like the breakthroughs I've made in talk therapy or in relationships or in other training programs are almost always related to something that happens on a physical level. Right? And those things are not separated or, you know, my somatic experience, if you want to call it that, just my, you know, my experience of living in here and in this world. And um, so I do ATM. I I don't own a car. I haven't owned a car in four years. So I'm an avid bicyclist. Uh, Before COVID, I took the bus. I, you know, I, I, I get around in other ways. I walk a lot. I live near the ocean. I go and visit it almost daily. <clears throat> and you know, I'm engaged in learning about the you know, so I, I'm not talking about that's my personal practice, but I have a you know, I mean I I'm I'm learning in in that I take courses, I read, I study, you know, like I get interested in something and I'll study it for six months or a year. Um, you know, reading up on whatever that happens to be. And, you know, sometimes it's a project like studying the Enneagram that's been going on for more than 20 years, but more about, well, for the first 15 years, totally about like my own personal life, not so much about like how do I use it in the training. Um, yeah, and I have an avid, uh, like, I, you know, I read and I consume a lot of media. So, like, I, I watch different kinds of programs, um, you know, TED Talks and um, other things on YouTube. And, you know, we could talk about what's on each channel. Um, that's really pretty cool because, like, I'm teaching in Paris, in, or not Paris, in Lyon, next in a month. It's so to bone up on my French, I've been going to... Um, it called the Netflix um, and watching like shows in French, you know, so, and talking to my friends in French. So I, um, yeah, that's it. And, and, you know, I have projects, so I've been working on these doorway lessons. I've had this ongoing project, and it's kind of related to the doorway lessons about working with surfers, people who are surfing, um, you know, so if, if I have a project that I'm working on or like preparing for your segment and doing the ATM, so I'm, I'm, I'm engaged in working with the material. I'm giving people, working with people in individual sessions online. I'm teaching classes online. Like in this series, I also teach a class for the Feldenkrais teachers where we kind of have a backstage session and talk about what I've done. I'm doing coaching you know so it, the the work is woven into my life in all those yeah. ways.
3: Can you um t- I know you did a prayer series? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Please.
1: <laughs> um what would you like to know?
3: Um the 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 initial inspiration and part of that journey through there.
1: I think the internet, the initial inspiration is Moshe's prayer lessons. Yeah. I mean, um and the, and, the
3: physical uh, aspect of that you're talking about as opposed to the actual spiritual i guess
1: well there so the inspiration was this th- this lesson that Moshe taught where your hands are in the palm to palm flat mm. hand, not the clasp hand prayer position of of many you know um many spiritual traditions and so I mean I was interested in that and i I, um, I, 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 well, so I, I was interested in, it in a number of different ways. I've done meditation for a long time. And so I was thinking about awareness through movement, doing it, right, for yourself, uh, in relationship to meditation, they're both practices. And they're both practices whereby we're using our movement and our experience, our, our you know embodied experience, um, as a way to change our consciousness. So I'm, I'm I'm I don't want to reduce one to the other, but I'm mm-hmm. interested in that kind of you know where those the the Venn diagrams of where they overlap and what they have, what we learn from they can learn from each other, from the similarities, and um, so that was part of it. I um, the training that I run in Amsterdam is, it's in a, it's in the Ramthe, which is a, it's a, a kind of a place where people do a lot of workshops about different kinds of things. It means the room, there's lots of in, in Holland, but it's in Amsterdam and it's in a little courtyard. And it, when you enter the courtyard, the one of the buildings right next door or two doors down is the oldest, one of the oldest mosques in Amsterdam. And the training has been in recent years in the upstairs part of this building. And when you walk upstairs, there's it's an outdoor staircase, and you walk by, and you're you're looking in the mosque. There's a window that goes right into the prayer room, and so sometimes people are praying. And um, so you know, I think about that. I think about different kinds of practices. So, anyways, I've just been. Think about ATMs in relationship to that and like people sometimes come and they want to be able to meditate and how can Father Christ help with them. So that's part of it. Part of it is also the fascination of, I call it like this, stereokinesthesia, right? Cause like your one hand can feel itself. Mm-hmm. But when you put your two hands together, your one hand feels itself and the other hand, the other hand feels itself and the first hand. They feel each other. That's like five states in that contact, as opposed to two. And I think something really interesting happens in our nervous systems when mm-hmm. that loop is engaged. Mm-hmm. So that's the other reason. And, and I just, I'll say one more thing about that. In the process of developing those lessons, I found a whole underground in the Feldenkrais world I didn't know about, which was all these people. Who had taken Feldenkrais into their faith communities and talked about the method there and brought it there and didn't talk about their faith communities in the Feldenkrais world. Because if you're not a Buddhist and you're not a Jew, it's people don't talk about it as much. You know, people will talk about being Catholics. It, you know, it just I mean, it didn't happen. So all these people came and told me about their their experiences and what happened, and it was just, I mean, it still is. Uh, an amazing, uh, insight into this whole other realm of people doing the work.
3: Brilliant. Thank you. Then we might, um, end it there. We're so grateful to you for giving your time up. I know you've been really busy because we've been with you for our training. And I really, I loved the insight of your curiosity to just really remind us of what Feldenkrais was about and to have that insight of how you lived your life that, um, it is a Feldenkrais sort of lens that you put on, and you know to keep that curiosity happening, to keep living it day to day. And I love what you said about how ATMs remind you of being my better self. I certainly can relate to that. And if we can spread this method a bit throughout the world even further and, and help people with that,
1: <clears throat> if I if I could say one thing yeah, that. you know, I, I think these days what I think about is instead of just thinking how do we get someone to come in and lie down on our table or on the floor or even meet us in this virtual place i think well what if the question was how do we foster facilitate instigate be part of developing a um vibrant vital engaged community of people practicing the method in their personal lives? What if we participate in that community as fellow learners? What if we create places where the experience of the learners can be highlighted, not of the teachers? Where what their experience is influences the method, what the questions are and what we're doing even. um, Because I think that community will need teachers. And you know, I, it, the question you asked at the beginning about the future and apps, and we didn't go further with that, but like I don't, personally, I, I, I'm not saying somebody shouldn't do this. I, I'm not interested in creating a Spotify for ATM, for instance, for Father Christ. I am interested in creating a place where we can meet, where um, people who are studying the method, can have a community of learners and people who are teaching it can support each other in doing that. And where the, I I know it's a kind of heavy word to use, but the sanctity of live teaching is respected and supported. Because it's in the relationships that we create that the method comes alive.
2: Beautiful. And I I think an app is really capable of doing that.
1: (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not arguing against you. I think lots of apps are. You know, and I mean, I think I don't think it should be for Feldenkrais, but like,
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. See, it's not necessarily for Feldenkrais. Okay, but it's for Yeah, and that's where I'm coming from. It's not it's opening the questions. It's bringing in mindfulness. And then Feldenkrais is in the background.
1: Mindfulness or like circus skills or parenting anything. or
2: anything, right. roller skating, <laughs> <laughs> Dale's love, yeah,
1: or, or a roll, yeah, absolutely, absolutely,
2: and surfing. <laughs>
1: so, so, the thing is, so if we take it that way, I like that question, Dale, because then the question is,
2: oh,
0: <laughs>
1: how do we bring our um. I, you know, the other way I like to think about it is our approach, which I think of as coordination coaching, helping people learn to coordinate their movement, navigate better, and whatever skills they want to develop. How do we bring that to a community of learners? Yes, and participate with them. And so then, it's not about an app, but it's about creating um, and a, a virtual environment that is. Um, you know, a social learning network, I think, is what you we'd have to think of it as.
2: Yes. And the app is a tool, it's a vehicle.
1: Absolutely. You know, but I mean, how about if we create like a um, you know a place where apps are supported and the, the whole backbone is there and people can specialize in different ways and then practitioners don't have to do that for themselves. But the technology I love,
2: that you, I love that you said how about we create?
1: Thanks, Larry. <laughs> I don't want to do this alone. My
2: um,
1: for years, I was a, I was a cheer hubby. My partner was a cheerleader. You know, part of a, a, a of a one of the longest running gay cheerleading groups in, in in the world. And I went to gay games with them. But you know, I I'm a performer. I've been a performer my whole life. You know, I mean. I, and I'm a trainer, I'm, I'm in front of people a lot. And it was the first time in my life that I got to be backstage. You know, I brought my table to their practice. I literally carried water. Um, I helped collect money because they were not just a cheerleading group, but they were a fundraising group. Um, and, you know, so for me at this point in my life, you know, it's about supporting people who are my colleagues. And people who are where you are and look what we can do together
3: Mm.
1: is so much better than what we're going to do alone and we have to figure out how to have some network effect no and somewhere between everybody off on their own and getting starbucked pardon the expression there's got to be somewhere in the middle where we can collaborate and create and everyone doesn't have to recreate the you know reinvent the wheel and we could support each other in being the best teachers we can be.
2: I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I'm, let's like, do it. I, I, you know, like um, when, when I taught the training segment online, I made uh, explicitly a bunch of work study positions available for people to create um, transcripts. But, you know, that was about us working together. Right. So I think we could find ways of doing that
2: as a community absolutely absolutely so, and students can be involved because we are actually sometimes a little bit more up to date with what's happening in technology so it's a blend of the two together I, I look
1: absolutely and, and you're not students you're trainees mm-hmm. trainees you know oh. future teachers i mean you we are all students you are future teachers mm. and i think yeah you have so. Look, this is adult education. Everybody has something to offer and something I can learn from.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. it's an integrating experience as a training. Learn about a functional, functional integrative
2: <laughs> community.
0: Yeah, I'm like,
1: you guys are doing this right yes, here with it. your podcast, right? You're, you're, you know, you're, 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 uh, you know, you're. Um, uh, What should I say? Moving into the unknown. (laughs) And you're doing doing it together. You're showing us how to do that.
2: Beautiful. That's so good Way to end. Thank you so much. This has been really delightful.
3: Thank you so
1: much.
2: Thank you, Larry.
3: Join us next month as we move into the unknown with Julie Peck and Leslie McLennan. They'll be sharing their newly relaunched book, Moving from the Inside Out, Seven Principles for Ease and Mastery of Movement. Your hosts today have been Libby Murray, Dal Dickens and myself, Heidi Carroll. Thank you for joining us as we move together into the unknown.